Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Everyday Gospel, and we are currently in Matthew. Oh, my microphone's moving. Um, we are currently in Matthew three, and we're gonna be doing the whole chapter. Um, taking a look at John the Baptist. Um, you know, kind of like how they're similar. John and Jesus were similar, and we're talking about. Jesus baptism and then we're going to be talking about this idea of repentance and so buckle up for today's episode and we're going to start in Matthew 3 so I'll give you one second to get there do 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 and we will start reading Matthew 3 so it says in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. For he is the one spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, who said, A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. John himself had a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then people from Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the vicinity of the Jordan were flocking to him. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Hold on. <coughs> um, as they confessed their sins. Verse 7. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to the place of his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe is ready to strike the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I am. I am not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn up with fire that will never go out. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at, at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? And Jesus answered him, Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him to be baptized. And after Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened up for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove onto him. And then came a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son. I take delight in him. Wow. Wow, right? Interesting. 
this baptism. Um, but let's talk about John the Baptist, okay? So, obviously, John the Baptist was a, you know, the last, really, of the Old Testament prophets. And because he was considered one of the last prophets of the Bible, um, you know, officially, you know, he's playing the part here. He's he's the forerunner of Jesus, which is what, um, you know, again, like we talked about last week about the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Here we are again, prophecy about John the Baptist, that he's the voice in the wilderness making waking the way for the Lord. And so he's like the forerunner to Jesus. And we see that he's kind of a wild dude, you know, like if you, if you read about him, you know, it's like he, he lives in the wilderness of Judea. So he's away from most people. <laughs> okay. He is wearing like prof, like prophets. What well, I guess what they used to wear because I think it was Elijah that wore camel hair or it might have been another fur, but basically he wore like a a vest similar to what John's wearing and he had this belt and um, he's eating locusts and wild honey and like, you know, like I, I imagine John the Baptist being a little rough around the edges, you know, just based on description of him where he's living and locusts and honey you know though those are like poor people's food like for them in the wilderness because he lives in the wilderness there's probably not a lot to choose from and you know locusts are always around and in the middle east now you can get locusts and eat them you know they're supposed to be a pretty tasty snack um i wouldn't eat it but <laughs> Um, it's a good source of protein, I hear. Um, and, you know, and he's dipping it in honey and, you know, it's just his whole thing. And he's he's on fire, you know. He's like brutal vipers and he's getting in their faces and he's baptizing people and he's doing all this stuff. And it's like, it's pretty, pretty intense. And so, you know, it's interesting, like Jesus considered him to be the greatest of all prophets. Um, yet Jesus said that even the littlest in his kingdom is greater than John. Like, wow, that scale, right? Um, and so he was a cousin to Jesus. You know, we don't know about his parents that we read, you know, if you read in Luke, You'll read about his parents and his birth. And it was this miraculous kind of event. And we don't get any news about them. So this is 30 years, you know, we've kind of jumped from. Like, Jesus was still a kid when he fled to Egypt. You know, when they come back and settle, this is now like a 30-year jump. 24 years, 25 years, something around that. There's this big gap. And now John's grown up and he is fulfilling the role that he had. 
And so his ministry was baptism and having people confess their sins. And so baptism here is kind of like a picture of turning away from sin. And yet he's still telling people that there's one coming that's, you know, he's going to be, it's not just baptism of water. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. You're going to be born again. You're going to have the Spirit of God in you. It's going to be different. And we see that that person is Jesus. So, but with John, okay, John is very similar to Jesus, okay? So what I did was, I, you know, I was reading this, so I went up to my wife and I was like, hey, honey, I'm like, I'm going to read you this passage. I didn't tell her where I was, you know, what book I was in, whatever. I said, tell me if this is Jesus or John the Baptist. So, and I read to her <clears throat> John's um, little thing here about uh, you brood of vipers, you know, who warned you of the the wrath to come, you know? And so I'm like reading those few verses there. I'm like, so is that is that John or Jesus? And she like thought about it, you know, for like a minute. And then she's like, that has to be Jesus. So I'm like, no, dude, it's John. And I was like, see, they're so similar. Jesus even uses Buddha Vibers talking about the religious leaders. You know, Jesus was always really fiery like this around the religious leaders. Because it's religion, <laughs> not Jesus in relationship. Okay, but here, here's some things. They both preach repentance, right? In verse 1 of this chapter 3, he says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And we'll see that Jesus will start after his temptation saying, repent, uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In fact, um, yeah, verse 17 of chapter 4, it says he began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so it's the exact thing that John the Baptist preached. Jesus starts his ministry preaching repentance. Uh, they were both harsh to religious leaders. You know, he's baptizing everyone, but when the religious leaders, the Sadducees, the and the, the Pharisees come, he wants nothing to do with them. Like, they're coming. He doesn't say that he baptized them. Like, he wouldn't do it. You know, he's saying that he's warning them. Do you guys need to show fruit that you've repented? You know, before you get baptized and stuff. And then uh, religious leaders didn't like either of them. <laughs> You know, John ends up getting arrested and beheaded, and Jesus ends up being crucified, right? The religious leaders did not like either one of them as well. And so, you know, they're both prophets. You know, Jesus is their prophet. So was John, you know? And so there's there are a lot of similarities between the two. It's interesting. Um, and then let's look at the baptism here, right? So... What's interesting to me about this is, uh, you know, this is one of the 
foundational premises for building a doctrine of the Trinity uh, because we have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all at the same point of time in different places, right? So this is one of those passages that is like pretty much foundational for that belief. And we see Jesus, he's being baptized, but it says that the Spirit came down like a dove. So we see the Spirit coming upon Jesus and then a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And that's God, the father. So we have God, the father, the spirit and Jesus all at the same point of time. And that's important. Does this prove the Trinity? Just this verse? Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think we believe we should, you know, pin any doctrine to just a verse or two but this is one of those passages and there's obviously other passages that hint at the trinity but um you know it's very interesting because you have some people that kind of you know distort that and i don't think it's necessarily intentional it's just i think how they read the scriptures i had a guy actually um, I was selling something online, and this guy was asking if the, the item was still available. And I was like, yeah, you know, it is. And he's like, hey, um, are you a Christian? <laughs> and that's a weird thing to get, you know, like when you're trying to sell something like on Craigslist. It wasn't Craigslist, but it was like one of these apps, you know, we're, we're just strictly selling stuff. You're not, you know, talking about religion stuff. And so he's like, are you Christian? I was like yeah and he's like oh so am i he's like just so you know like the trinity is a false doctrine you know and i was like what and he's like yeah dude it's just jesus just jesus all the way like jesus was in the old testament jesus was jesus when he came here on earth and now jesus you know holy spirit stuff and it didn't really make sense i was trying to explain to him i was Mm -hmm. like yeah, man, that's just not, you know, and I took him to this exact passage and I was like, okay, so explain this to me. And he's like, you know, he looked, he actually looked it up and he messaged me back. It was like, yeah, you know, it's kind of a problem. I was like, yeah, because you have all three here. So it wasn't Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit, the Father, and Jesus, all three doing something jesus was going to get baptized the spirit is coming upon jesus and the father speaking from heaven so like they're all doing different actions right separate so you know that's where you know he kind of got hung up he's like oh well that's a good point you know but he was trying to tell me you know to look at other things where it's just like oh well it says that me and the father are one you know, so Jesus and the Father are one. They're interchangeable. But it's like, no, Jesus is saying that they are of the same essence. They're both God. Not that, you know, they're literally the same person, <laughs> you know. And so, um, you know, it's interesting again to talk to him. And I gave him some other verses to look at, too. So, but there's people that will kind of, like, spin this a weird way, Um you know, there's people that believe that it was, 
is we serve one God, right? But he appeared in three different times in history. So in the Old Testament, he appears as God the Father. In the New Testament, he appears as Jesus. And then after Jesus goes back to heaven, the Holy Spirit is God. But it's like the same God just appearing three different times in history. Right? So some people believe that. I think that's like the modelist view. So, no. The Bible doesn't teach that. Um, you know, it teaches... The best that I can describe is the Trinity. You know, that there's three in one. And it's a really hard doctrine to wrap your head around. Um, but it's essential in Christian belief because... You, you know, you have Jesus and he, you know, he's human and he's divine. They have a spirit that's obviously divine. And so you just have all these moving parts. And so, you know, we, we come up with this idea of the Trinity as the best way to describe these things. And so, um, you know, church history, it's really interesting, too. Uh, I forget the guy who came up with the idea of the Trinity, but basically there's all this heresy going around about Jesus, about God the Father. So they actually called a council together to kind of settle um, this debate about Jesus. And it took a few councils. And this was in like 300... 400 AD, it took hundreds of years after this stuff was written for them to kind of settle on this idea of the Trinity. And so um, <clears throat> it's interesting, um, but this is one of those passages that's like pretty foundational for that. Now, that kind of took a while. So, <laughs> so let's see here. So what is John saying so he says, you know, you brood of vipers who warned you, don't presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. What does he mean by that? Well, he's saying you can't rely on your heritage. You know, you can't rely on that. It's like, oh, God's going to save me because, you know, I'm an Israelite. That's not how it works. And, like, we can do that as Christians. We can rely on our heritage. Like, well, my parents go to church. You know, I go to church occasionally, like holidays, Christmas, Easter. You know, I might even read the Bible a little bit. You know, my dad's a preacher. My brother's a missionary. You know, like, sometimes we can have that excuse, too. And we can't have that. It's not based on our you know, on our heritage is based on our own relationship with God and our repentance. And so the word repent literally means to do a 180. So it's like if you're walking down a street, you know, it means to like do a 180, go back the way you're going, like you're going in a, a different direction. You're doing a 180. You're like on this road where you're the king it's only you, 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 you. You're on this path of sin and destruction. 
And repenting is doing a 180 and going God's way. It's saying, you know what? I'm not on the throne anymore. God's on the throne. It's to do that 180. And you know what? When you repent, when you have that change of heart, when you start walking the other way, things are going to be different. Things are going to be different. You're going to produce fruit that shows that you're different. That is no longer about you, but it's about Jesus. Like that will be evident in your life. And so, you know, people might ask like, well, what does that look like practically? Like what, so what does repentance look like? Well, I think repentance is something we don't just do once. You know, I think there's areas in of our lives that we have struggles in. And once we, you know, tackle that and get better in that area, you know, it's just like, it's always feels like, well, now there's this other thing, you know, oh, I struggle with lying. But now, <clears throat> now God's revealed to me, I'm an angry person, you know, and like, there's always something to work on with the Lord. Like repentance is, is choosing to go a different way. So like, I always tell people like, okay, an example um, would be like like someone that struggles with a porn addiction or something, right? Like they might be looking at porn, you know, every day or like several times a week, let's say. Repentance doesn't mean like you never sin again, that you don't fall ever, right? Because we still have a sin nature. We're still going to sin. But repentance looks like this, though. Instead of just watching porn, <laughs> Right. Repentance starts to look like, hey, I told some brothers in the Lord. And they're praying for me. And now I have software on my phone and I let them put in the password. So I can't even look at adult sites anymore. Like it's done. I can't even go on those sites. So like repentance looks like you're making and there's fruit there. You see it. Hey, he's confessed his sin. Hey, he's getting help with his brothers. Hey, they're putting a filter on his phone. Hey, they're moving forward in prayer. And they're, you know, you start to get this momentum. And it's like, that's what repentance looks like. That looks like turning 180. Instead of just giving in and doing the same thing, it's, I'm going a new way. I'm getting serious about it. And, and you'll see that change. And that's how it is when we repent. We start to do that 180. Remember our scriptures about our problems and this and that. And we just see God start to move and change us. And so that's just one, you know, little example. But like, there's there's tons more. But like, you know, the question today, because it's over 20 minutes now, is, you know, what is it for you that you need to repent of? Is there anything in your life, like right now, that you can think of? That God's like, you know, an attitude. Maybe it is some form of addiction. Um, maybe it's anger. Maybe it's honesty. Like maybe you're not honest. Maybe you're you're lying a lot. You know, there's there's lots of things. Like take some time right now and ask God. Like search me know me 
you know, he'll show you where things need to take that turn, that 180. Okay. So hope you guys enjoyed the message. And next week, we're going to be looking at the temptation of Jesus. So yeah, it should be a good study. And uh, yeah, so I'll see you guys next week. Okay. God bless.